0: Well, again, Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us this morning on this cold, wet morning. Uh, thank you for coming out. Um, hopefully you had a great Christmas. Did you all have a great Christmas season? Awesome. I, I know for us, my wife and I, we, it was a very different Christmas season for us, but it was great. Uh, normally I'm, I'm used to, my wife is from a Latin family, Peruvian family, and so we're used to... We're used to holidays where it's not just three or four people gathering. It's like more like 50, 60 people gathering. And this year it was very different because Teresa's parents and grandmother have moved to North Carolina. And so we were kind of getting used to a small Christmas, just the three of us together in our home. But then we were able to be a part of the, the outreach on um, Christmas afternoon with uh, the homeless. And that was just a, a great experience. I'm just so glad for those of you who were able to, to join us for that. Now, I have to tell you, as we start a new year together, I am... I am really looking forward to our new year together. For the, the, In the next couple of weeks, we're going to be starting something. We're going to be launching something that we've never really done here before at Grace. And I think it's one of the best things we've ever done. And as, as I shared with you a little bit earlier in the service, we're going to be launching the Community Bible Experience. And that is we're going to be reading through the entire New Testament together. Uh, in our homes, not like all whole together or anything, but no, separately together, you, you get what I'm saying, over 40 days. And this will be something adults, students, and children are all doing together. And a number of you have been telling me, this is the first time you've really tried something like this. I'm, ex- I'm really excited about that. I'm excited for what God's going to do through this experience in your life as we launch this in just a couple of Sundays. Now, I'm not sure, but are, are any of you in the room, are, any, are you kind of like New Year's resolution kind of people, any of you? A few of you, a few people, raised their hands in first service. This was like, no, nah, we, we came here at 10:45, not nine o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> new Year's resolutions, forget that. Well, I, I want to have you consider as we go into this new year and as we go through this new short three-week series called Creatures of Habit, what it would look like for you to create some new habits in your life, or perhaps to get rid of some habits that have been there for a long time that you don't like, you don't want. That you, want, don't, that you want to get rid of. Maybe for you, one of those habits that you want to create in your life is strengthening and building up, up that personal time with God each day. Maybe for some of you, you just kind of struggle with that. It's like, gosh, I, I want to do that. And I start off in January and I create that New Year's resolution. I'm going to have more personal time with God or I'm going to read my Bible every day. And I get maybe January 15th, January 20th, and it's gone. It's vanished. So other people can do those sorts of things, you might say, David. But, but I can't. Well, I'm going to challenge that over the next three weeks. And I'm going to show you how doable it is to not only get rid of bad habits, but actually be able to be able to create new ones in your life. Now, um, New Year's are great in that they get, they're a natural time to stop and give us the ability to assess our lives, right? To help us consider changes in our lives. It's a time when we can ask ourselves, am, you know, am I doing the right things in life? Am I getting out of life what I want to get? Out of it, am I growing in ways that I want to grow? Am I becoming a better person, the person that I want to become, in this life? And at the same time, I recognize that forming new habits in our lives, being intentional about that, it, it can be hard. How, how many of you would say, Dave, I, I have I have some habits that I'd love to form in my life, but I've tried it in the past and it just seems so hard to do, right? I think a lot of us have been in that place. Maybe for you, you've had this idea, you know, every January. You know what? This year I'm gonna get in shape. I'm gonna start an exercise routine, or I'm I'm gonna go on a diet. Or maybe for you it's something very different. Maybe it's like like Chris, I want to go back to school, or I wanna get organized in my life and actually stay that way. Maybe it's a, a spiritual habit or two, like having a daily time with God that anchors or strengthens your life, or maybe it's Getting into a habit of memorizing scripture or journaling to God. Just taking some time each day to write out your thoughts and your feelings and your concerns to God. Maybe it's, as I said, it's getting rid of a habit or two. Like cutting out that junk food habit in your life. Or getting rid of or reducing the debt, that's the financial debt that's in your life. Maybe, maybe you're prone to busyness in your life and you want to spend more time on the things that you feel like matter in your life and less time on those things that just kind of clutter up your life and take away the time that's so valuable to you and to your family maybe for some of you you might even think that a habit that you want to form this year is around a behavior maybe it's learning how to be more grateful in this life or how to be more flexible or encouraging or patient oh, that's a hard one I've been thinking about that one and I was like like oh, maybe not <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's this great book that I re- I've been reading over the last uh, few weeks. It's actually, the, I think, short of the Bible, it's the best book I read in all of last year. And it was a book, it isn't even a Christian book, but it was on the New York Times bestseller list for quite some time. And it was called The Power of Habit. And it says, it, the subtitle is Why We Do What We Do and How to Change. What they, this book is about is basically a compilation of scientific discoveries that talk about why habits exist in our lives and how to change them. And what it says is that habits are powerful but that there is no habit. This is, this is one of the things that was really interesting for me to consider. There is no habit, that it, it, it talks about, that we can't start if we want to and there's no habit that we can't stop if we want to. The key is figuring out how to succeed, how to do that. Now, let me explain. Um, you know, he, here in town, uh, for those of you who have been living around Tucson or Oro Valley for some time, you know that there are Wash, there are riverbeds or washbeds all over town, right that are running under streets and around streets. Um, and if you were to actually follow them, they, they all if, 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 if you see, as you follow these washbeds, which are many of them are full right now, they wind around all over the place, but they eventually land up in one or two places, either the Torledo Mountains to the north of us or the Catalina Mountains to the east of us. You can, you can start walking up one of those paths, one of those washbeds, and they'll eventually lead to one of those two places. Even though they, go, they don't follow a straight line, they're just kind of winding around all over the place. Now, where do you think those washes came from? What made those washes show up there in the first place? Jesus, that, that's a good answer. <laughs> well, at some point, long, long, long time ago, those mountains were formed and created and rains fell. And that rain fell off those mountains and they just kind of washed off the mountains and they just followed the path of least resistance. Whatever was easiest for that water to flow, that's, what it, that's where it flowed. And then another rain came and another rain came and another rain came. And over time, those places where that water ran, grooves started to be formed in the ground. And now when rains fall, they kind of follow those same patterns over and over again. They may wind around all over the place. But those rains fall off those mountains and they follow the same patterns over and over and over again. In fact, some of these patterns, some of these channels, they're so big. These washes are so big, we've actually named them around here, right? Like the Kenyatta del Oro wash. It's so huge that rain can run off of that thing sometimes. I've actually seen it. You can drown in the thing. I mean, a car, you can move a car. It's so big. But that thing runs from the north side of the Calina Mountains all the way through Oro Valley across to Tucson, across I-10, and over to the Santa Cruz River where it dumps out. And every time a big rain comes, the water follows that same path, that same groove in the ground, over and over again. Now, could, it, could that path be changed? Could that water follow a different path? Absolutely. If you have, It ha- takes some intentionality. You'd have to kind of channel that water off and make it go another direction, but it's possible, right? Well, here's what I'm getting at. The same thing is true in our brains. Think about this. When, you were, when we were all young kids, those channels, those grooves hadn't been formed in our minds. And we kind of did things, a lot of things kind of haphazardly, right? We even forgot a lot of things. Take my 14-year-old boy, for instance. I can't tell you how many days I have to go behind him before he goes to school to ask him, Did you put on your deodorant? Right? Because if I didn't, whether he remembered or not, it was anybody's guess. But everybody would know it by the end of the day. You know, did you brush your teeth? Did you you comb your hair? Did you take your meds? I actually have now put his vitamins on his bathroom sink as a cue. Did you take your vitamins? Because those channels, those grooves hadn't formed in his brain yet. But let me tell you something. Just like with every one of us in this room, over time, those channels, those grooves form in our brains and habits form. We kind of do the same things over and over and over again in our days. And over time, those things become locked in. They become hardwired into us. And it becomes harder and harder to even deviate from them. And we just follow those same patterns every day. I mean, if you you did the same thing this morning when you woke up that you did yesterday when you woke up, that you did the day before that when you woke up, right? We kind of follow those same patterns. And unless you've recently moved or taken a long vacation, you've kind of been set in that same pattern for a long time I, for me I, I had the same I'm, I'm a creature of habit I had this same pattern every morning I, I wake up I roll out of bed I first thing I do is I go to the restroom then I make my way into my my master uh, closet and I sit in this one little corner of the closet where I have my little spot and I turn on this little space heater even if it's in the middle of the summer and it's hot already I don't know why I turn it on it's just habit I just turn it on the noise soothes me or something I don't know get in my brain to figure that out good luck and then I have my personal time with God, and I just kind of sit there on a pillow in the corner of this, the same little corner of this closet every single day when I get up. And then I have my time with God, and I get out, and I brush my teeth. And I bet you've done the same thing. You, you, I even brush my teeth in the same way. You, you put the toothpaste on the brush first, not the water first. It's, don't get it mixed up, right? I mean, it's a toothbrush, a toothpaste first, then water, not the other way around. And then brush my teeth knock the water off the off this, uh, off this toothbrush by tapping it on the side of the sink probably three times. I think I think the same three times over and over again. And these patterns, we just get locked into them, and we just do them over and over and over again, don't we? And your pattern might be a little bit different, but you do the same pattern over and over again. Listen to this. This, this, is, this is just crazy when you think about it. But research has now found that over 40% of our days are spent on autopilot. We do the same things over and over again. We, we start to get ready to do something and we fall right into a routine and we do it and we don't even think about it. How many times have you driven to work and you're like, oh, I'm here already. You didn't even realize, you, you, you got in that groove, okay, I'm getting in the car, I'm in, I'm in my driving mode now. And you drive a certain path, the same path over and over again. You don't even think about it, right? So research has shown that nearly half of our lives are spent on autopilot. Because we get, we're creatures of habit by the time we become adults. And we do the same things over and over and over again. <clears throat> habits are so powerful. And what, what I want to share with you through this series is that each one of us, by the time we become adults, we are creatures of habit, whether we like it or not. And we have this big, lumbering creature of habit that just follows a, our habit life. It just follows us around wherever we go. And that creature of habit can be a force of tremendous good in our lives if our habits lead us in the direction we want to go, or it can... That creature of habit can lead us in the wrong direction and as we do things in our life that are kind of habitual that we don't necessarily want to do, but we've been kind of stuck in those patterns or those behaviors. Our, our creature of habit can either propel us into the future or it can hold us back and drag us down and keep us from where we want to ultimately get in life. But here's the good news, and it's the news that this research has shown us even, in case we didn't believe it already, that there is no habit that we can't break. And there's no habit that we can't form in our lives. If we want to. And we're intentional about it. Habits control much of your life. But you control your habits. I'm going to say that again. That, this, that's really important. Habits control much of your life. Almost half of your life. But you have the ability to control your habits. There's no bad habit that you can't break. And there's no good habit that you can't start. If you want it and you put the right things into place. Now, Scripture carries this even further. Scripture says that when we become followers of Christ and we surrender our hearts and our lives to Him, that it actually says we become new creatures in Christ. And we already were a creature. We're a creature of habit, whether we like it or not. And we'll be that way all of our lives. God made us that way. But the good news is we can be new creatures in Christ. There's this passage that I learned a long time ago of Scripture that's just it's just so loaded with meaning. I, I, I have to share it with you this morning. It's Second Corinthians five seventeen, and it says this: It says, "Therefore, if you are a new, if you if any person, if any man, woman be in Christ, he's a new creature." It says, and the old things are passed away, and all things become new. That's a powerful verse in my mind. And that's going to kind of be our theme verse over the next three weeks of this series. If anyone, if anyone be in Christ, young or old, black, white, you know, young or old, doesn't matter what your background is, rich or poor. If any person be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old, all that stuff in the past, is past. And all things become new. Now, you might say, well, Dave. That sounds like then you're saying that if I become a follower of Jesus, that all my bad habits will just kind of disappear. That's not true, is it? No, that isn't true. What this scripture is saying is that positionally, in the eyes of God, you are seen the moment you accept Christ as your Savior. The moment you make that decision to surrender your life to Him. In that moment, you're seen in the eyes of God as a new creature. You're not seen as the old you anymore. When God looks at you, God is looking at you through the lens of Jesus and he sees you as a new creation, a new creature. But here's the added bonus. As a new creature in Christ, we have at our disposal the ability to make ourselves more and more into the creature that God wants us to be. The person that we were intended to be all along. First John chapter 5 says that Christ gives us the ability to overcome anything in this world that tries to bring us down. Anything. You know, there are, there are a lot of things that we can't control in this world. And there may be even habits in your life that you've been dealing with. and they, You've been following those habits for so many years now. Those channels are kind of cut into your brain and you, you kind of can't help yourself. And you think, man, can I ever break that habit? Can I ever get rid of that habit in my life? But what we see from 1 John chapter 5 is when we're in Christ, there's nothing that we can't overcome. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things, how? Through Christ who gives me strength, right? Now, the Bible tells us that there are, I found at least a couple of people in Scripture who who not only recognize they were creatures of habit, but recognize that they could use those habits in their lives for a good purpose, and and they formed those habits in the direction they wanted them to go, to make the most out of their lives. And God used these two people in incredible ways. There may be more than these two. But there's two that I've already come up with. One is Jesus. Obviously you might expect that. right? Jesus had these certain habits that he had built into his life. Prayer and fasting and other things. And they kind of guided and directed his life. And many people were influenced by that. Now I'm not going to set you up to that example. This morning. Well of course it was Jesus right. Yeah, he, he could do all the habits the way he wanted to. So I'm going to give you another person this morning that we're going to actually spend some time looking at. And that was a guy by the name of Daniel. So I to encourage you, if you would turn with you, me in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6. If you don't happen to know where Daniel 6 is or you don't have a Bible with you, just pull out your smartphone or tablet, go to gracetucson.org slash Bible, and you can click into the, in the sermon notes there and follow along with the scriptures with us this morning. As you're turning there, let me share with you this. Daniel was a creature of habit, just like you and me. And the Bible says that he geared, what we see as we read the story of his life is that he geared his habits into a good, positive direction in his life. And God used those habits to not only strengthen his life, but to use him in powerful ways. So look at Daniel chapter 6 starting in verse 1. I'll kind of set up this story by reading the the intro here. It says in verse 1, Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces. And he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and to protect the king's interests. Now, let me just share with you this morning. This guy, Daniel, he was a pretty amazing guy. He was born and raised in this nation called Judah, which these days is the southern half of modern day Israel. And as a boy... He witnessed this foreign king come into their land and destroy their nation, kill many of their people. And the people who were left over, this king, it was actually a Babylonian king named Nebuchadnezzar. He carted off all of these people who were left, almost all of them, back to Babylon, which was now, which is modern-day Iraq, to be his slaves. And so for decades, these people, these people of Judah and the people of Israel served at this king's beck and call as slaves, including this young man at the time named Daniel. Now, at the beginning of Daniel's story, what we find out, this is in Daniel chapter 1, is that Nebuchadnezzar gets all these slaves back to his land and he starts separating out a few of them. He separates out those who were the brightest, those who were the strongest, those who it says were the most attractive or the, the ones who took the best care of themselves. And he put them into his royal service. And he used them in his palace. The rest of them were working outside. They were working as field slaves. But these guys were put into his royal service. And Daniel was one of those people who was chosen to be in Nebuchadnezzar's royal service as a young man. Now, fast forward past Daniel 1, all the way to Daniel chapter 6. And Nebuchadnezzar is long gone. He's dead. The Babylonian Empire has been overthrown. And there's this new king in town. His name's Darius, and it's the, the Mede Empire. And King Darius is now in charge, but Daniel and his people, they're still here in captivity in this, in this land. And Daniel is now mixed in with a bunch of other non-Jewish people who are serving at this new king's back and call. Now, Daniel is such a wise and disciplined man that the new king instantly sees how exceptional this guy Daniel is. And he puts him in charge of everything in his empire. He becomes this guy, Daniel, who was once a, a Jewish slave, still a Jewish slave, but now as a slave, he's in charge of the entire Mead Empire, one of the most strongest empires the world had ever seen. L- look at verse 3. It says, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. And because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans... ...to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers... ...began searching for some way... ...for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs... ...but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, he was always responsible... ...and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, get this... ...they concluded, our only choice of finding grounds for accusing Daniel... ...will be in connection with the rules of his religion... Let me unpack that for a second. This guy, Daniel, had created so many good habits in his life. He, he recognizing you he as a creature of habit, he, he formed and shaped the habits in his life. And he was such a disciplined person that these guys who were trying to dig up dirt on him, they couldn't find any dirt. I mean, imagine that these days. That there's a politician, a person in charge of government, who doesn't have a skeleton in their closet. I mean, amazing, right? Daniel is that odd duck who has no no dirt. He has no skeleton in his closet because all of his life he has has formed his habits in a positive direction. In a direction that draws him where he wants to go in life, drawing him closer and closer to God. And these guys who are trying to dig up dirt on him, they're in a tough spot. They're like, we can't figure out anything to throw at him. So... If you know Daniel's story, if you've read the story of Daniel, what would you know is... We, we see some evidence in Scripture of some of these habits that I'm talking about. One of the ones that we see is that Daniel had this habit, for instance, of praying to God three times a day, every single day. And he did this ritually, every day that went by. He also had this... Uh, he also had cr- created a habit around his diet... And he had this very, very strict diet that he followed. And even as a young boy, when he was brought over from Judah into, into Babylon, the king, as he as put him into the king's service, he said, I want you to eat these choice foods as a member of the royal service. And Daniel was like, no, I don't want to eat that food. I don't want to eat your food. I have, I have this habit. I eat these things, and I want to stick to that. And he, he continued to do that, and God honored that. He controlled his life, his habits, so well that his political enemies figure, well, the only way we're going we're to be able to take this guy down is to go after his faith because he's got these habits built around him that are geared toward that. So let's see what they decide to do. Verse 6. It says, The administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Look, long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials high officers, advisors, and governors, all except Daniel, of course, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Now, they're playing into his ego at this point. He says, give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into a den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so that it can be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked, and it just says so. King Darius signed it into law. Now, this probably was a day that Daniel had off, right? He was on vacation that day. He didn't see this one coming, right? And these guys had set this thing up so smoothly; they knew he wouldn't be there, and they uh, they they totally play into the king's ego at this point, and they just got him right where they want him, and they get him to write this law. And now it's this law in the books. It says, if you pray to anyone other than this particular king, you'll be thrown into a den of lions. Now, what do you think Daniel's response was to this? You know, he's, he's created these habits in his life. Will he break them? Will he decide in fear to kind of back away from them or maybe do, create some new habits in his life? Look at verse 10. It says, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed... He went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. So it says he learned about the new law, but nothing changed for Daniel. It was just ingrained in him to pray to God the same way, the same time, each and every day. And then these guys bust into the house, right? And they fisher kick the door down. And they're like, aha, we caught you. You're, you're praying to someone other than King Darius right now. And they're grabbing the GoPro spy cameras off the back of the picture frames with the way they've been spying on him, right? No, actually, I'm making all that up. It actually says, though, in the Scripture, it says that he always prayed with his windows open toward Jerusalem. And that day, it says in verse that he, he still opened them. I mean, at this point, wouldn't, wouldn't you think, well, why don't you, Daniel, why don't you just keep your windows closed? While you're praying to God, right? That way you, at least you're protecting yourself and you can keep living. But even—I mean, these, these habits are so ingrained in his life, he can't help himself. He just continues to do what he has always done. And the fact that they pass a law, pff, who cares? I'm doing what I've committed to God to do. I'm following the habits that I have created for myself. Notice in verse 10, it says, He went home and prayed three times a day, what? Just as he had always done. There's another translation that says, as he had been accustomed to doing. He was, you would, this scripture doesn't indicate he was fearful or worried or concerned in the least. Now, think about this for a moment. How old do you think Daniel was during this story? 30, maybe 40 years old? Now, for those Gen Xers in the room who grew up in church in the age of Sunday school and flannel graph. Do I have any flannel graph fans in the room? Uh, to tell you what flannel graph was. I, it was this, this weird material. It was, I guess it was before the days of Velcro. And they stuck it on the back of paper. And it would just kind of stick onto things. And I remember in Sunday school, they would, my Sunday school teacher would have all these pictures that were drawn of all these different Bible characters. And so while she was telling me a Bible story, she'd stick all these pictures with this flannel graph up on the wall and she'd tell her story. And I tell you, every time Daniel was put up there, it didn't matter if it was a story from Daniel chapter 1 when he first came to Babylon or this particular story. He always looked the same. He was always about 35 years old. He never aged. Right? But what we actually know from, as, as we dig into this scripture in Daniel is that by this point in Daniel's life, Daniel 6, he was in his 80s. Probably in, at least in his 70s. Probably in his 80s at this point in his life. He has been in Babylon since he was a teenage boy in Daniel chapter 1. So for over 70 years, he has followed the same habit three times a day, praying to God. That means he has followed this same habit in his upstairs room at least 75,000, 80,000 times. How hard do you think it is to undo that habit after you've been doing it that long? He couldn't help himself. didn't matter what law you passed. He was going to do what he had always done because he knew it was what God warned him to do. How do you remain calm when, some, when a law like this is passed? I, I, I wondered that about Daniel. But then I thought about this, and m- maybe this will mean something to you. I, I read this once, and it just really stuck with me. Strength under fire comes... From conditioning when it's calm. Strength under fire comes from conditioning when it's calm. In other words, we're able to withstand all kinds of things that come at us when we have been conditioned over a long period of time to do the same thing over and over again. It's why the military is able to do what they do. Strength under fire comes from conditioning when it's calm. And the same thing is true in our habit lives. We have, each one of us, we have this big lumbering creature of habit follows us around all day, every day. And we do the same things over and over again. And those things condition us to do things. And when, when stress and, and trials come, we still can follow those same habits over and over again. And this is what we see in Daniel's life. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to live a life like that. I want to live a life Where, yeah, I recognize I'm going to be a creature of habit. It's how God wired me. I can't help it. But I want to be the creature that God intends for me to be. I want to be a new creature. If I'm going to be a creature, I want to be a new creature, right? I don't want to be the old creature that I was years ago. I want to be able to to change those habits in my life that I recognize aren't good habits in my life. And I want to be able to build in the habits that Christ wants me to build into my life. What about you? you? Do you tend to find that you are trapped... Or hindered by certain creature habits that hold you back from where you want to go in this life? Do you feel, Or do you feel like your habits continue to draw, draw you closer and closer to your relationship with Christ? To make you into the man or woman of God that you want to be? Whether it's spiritually, emotionally, physically, in any way. You're a creature, whether you like it or not. You're a creature of habit. But are you the creature that you want to be? Let me ask you, what habits are most shaping you right now? What habits are shaping you right now? Are they are they good habits? Are they bad ones? Are you are you self aware enough to know what those habits are in your life? What are those things that you are likely to do just about every day or every week? Whether you think about it or not? Is it are those things does it include things like Exercise or binging on TV or Facebook or Instagram or having time with God? What are those things that you just naturally do over and over again as a creature of habit? Let me ask you this. How do you tend to respond to stress? That's a good indicator. Do you, when, you, when you get stressed out, do you tend to eat, <laughs> cuss, <laughs> grab a smoke, go shopping or go and pray? What happens? What does your creature of habit do in times of stress? Listen, your habits will be the secret to your success as a new creature. Or they will help ensure the setbacks that are to come in your life. They can, your habits can shorten or lengthen the span of your life. What habits do you have right now? Or what habits do you know of in your life that maybe God is showing you that you want to create in your life? Or change in your life going into a new year Maybe it's some things that you've thought about You want to do in your life You've been wanting to do them for years But just life and busyness and chaos Just kind of keeps getting in the way And preventing you from doing those things That you really want to do Physically, emotionally, or spiritually Habits control much of your life And will for the rest of your life There's nothing you can do about that You can't avoid it God hardwired us that way but the good news is you can control your habits every one of them you can create new ones that haven't been there before regardless of your age and remember please remember today 2 Corinthians 5:17 if you're a new if you're in Christ you are a new creature the old is past it's gone and God has new things in store in your life if you maybe some of you who are here today, maybe you've never made a decision, you've never made a commitment to follow Christ. You've talked about it, you've discussed it, you've thought about it. There's been some things, some questions you wanted to have answered, and you haven't had those answers satisfactory. And you kind of like, like being spiritual on the sidelines. You just kind of you don't fully get you don't fully get in and get in, but you just kind of think about it and you and you try to build some spiritual habits in your life. What would it look like for you this year to go all in? and say, I'm completely surrendering my heart and my life to Christ to do with as He wills. Maybe it's a a recommitment of your life to Christ. What, what, What do you think God could do in and through you if you were to make such a commitment like that? Now, in the next couple of weeks... I'm going to get just really super practical with, with you over in this series before we get into the community Bible experience. We're going to be talking about how to build godly habits into our lives and how to get rid of those habits that are not. But between now and next Sunday, I'm going to need your help. For this, for this series to mean anything to you, for, it to, for you to get the value from it, here's what I'm going to need you to do. I'm going to need you to consider really carefully what are the habits in your life? What, what 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 drives you? What guides you every single day? Um, and, and, and be intentional about. it. Think about what are those habits? Are there any? Are those habits that you want to get rid of? Are there any habits that you don't have in your life that you want to build into your life? And as, to kind of help you with that, as you walked in this morning, you should have received a little creature. Did you get one? Pull it out with for me with me just a moment. If you didn't, you can raise your hand and we're going to pass around a basket and you can grab a creature out of the basket. I, 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 told, I had a little note next to it as you walked in that said, grab one that suits you. So you, you can feel free, if you haven't grabbed one, you can do that in just a moment. Here's what I'm going to ask of you. Here, I mean, here's my little creature. It's my little rubber ducky. And this is going to be a reminder for you for the next year that you are a creature of habit. And here's what I want you to do. You're going to also see in a seat back in front of you a Sharpie pen, hopefully. Grab one of those sharpies, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to write on the back of your creature that one habit that you want to build into your life this year. That habit that's been that's eluded you, that you have had multiple New Year's resolutions for, and hasn't you haven't seemed to get there. Or maybe maybe it's that it's maybe it's not a habit that you want to create, but it's a habit you want to get rid of. Again, it might be a physical, it might be spiritual, it might be emotional. It might, for you, it, this, this habit might be, I want to have a regular routine time with God every single day. What would it look like for you to write that down? My habit is going to be a daily time with God. Or maybe for you today it's going to be, I, I, I want to I get in this community Bible experience thing. I want to get in the habit of reading scripture, if, if one of you guys, also could be on the on the other side of the room here, I think there's several over there that need them as well. Um, well maybe, it's, maybe it's creating a habit around reading the Bible just a little bit every day to guide and direct your life. Now, you'll notice when you get this creature, it's small, right? I, I didn't give you large creatures and that's by design. I don't want you, because I don't want you writing all over the back of this thing a lo- big laundry list of all the things that you want to change. You know, we, we, you might go overboard with this thing and start listing all these things. You don't have the space for that. You only have the space for maybe one, maybe two things that you can write on this thing. And that's by design. Because I know if you try to take on too much, you won't get anywhere and you'll just be frustrated. But think about this with me. Maybe you can do it now or maybe you need to take it home. If I just had to pick one or two things this year that I want to change with my habit life. That would give me the that would make the most impact in my life, that I would get the most from, what would it be? So I want you to take a moment, pull out your Sharpie, and just write on this thing in a word or two. This might be your word for the year. What what's that word or two that describes that habit that you want to change in your life? This may seem very simplistic to you. May, some of the things you may be putting here may not even feel very spiritual. But I'll tell you, all these things in our lives, God, God wants to ha- align with himself. And so there may be some things in your life that you might say, David, this doesn't feel very spiritual right now, but I just feel like I need to do something about the debt in my life. There's a spiritual aspect to that. God, You would honor God by attacking that thing this year. Maybe, maybe it's something as simple as, Dave, I just realized I need to be more patient in my life. I need to build that habit into my life. God can use that. God can use that. So hopefully you've been able to think of it. Feel free to take a, a little bit of time to think about this. But, and, you, and you can take this creature of habit home with you. Here's what I actually want you to do with this thing. I want you to find a prominent place in your home. To put your little creature of habit. And for some of you who are families, you just kind of line your creatures up side by side. And it's going to be a visual reminder for you each and every day that anyone who is in Christ, they're a new creature. The old stuff that used to define who you are, it's gone. It's passed away. All things have become new. May this be a reminder to you over this coming year of who God, God wants you to be a new creature in Christ. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this opportunity today to start off a new year with a very different kind of series. A very simple and practical series, but one that's very important and has a very strong spiritual component to it. God, I pray as we look at as we have looked at the life of Daniel that we can kind of live a life like that. That we can live a life like Jesus himself lived where our habits don't just control us, but we control our habits. And, that those habits lead us closer and closer to the feet of Jesus. Lord, I pray that we will be able to just really figure out what these habits are in our lives, that we would be aware of those habits, and that we would have a resolve this year to go after those things with your help and to change those habits, even as we discuss how to do so in the weeks ahead. Lord, we thank you that Philippians 4 13 reminds us that we can do all things through Him who gives us strength. And Lord, in those moments when we get frustrated, in those moments we get discouraged, in those moments we think back on last January and the January before that and the January before that, and we want to give up on ourselves, Lord, would you remind us that if you've called us to read Scripture on a daily basis, to draw closer to you, that we can do that. And that we will draw closer to you as a result. Or whatever those habits are, that we can through Christ, build those in and be the men and women of God that you've called us to be. But Lord, help us in those times when we struggle and we want to give up. Lord, I want to thank you for this community. I want to thank you as we start a new together, new year together that we're doing this as a family. And that we're, God, that you're going to use us in the coming year as we not only draw closer to you, but we reach out into our community and our world And we make an impact for you. Lord, I pray as this new year dawns that we will reach more people for for the cause of Christ than we've ever reached before. And Lord, that you would use each one of us to help be a part of that. In Jesus' name, amen.